Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey, U-Turn friends. Today is going to be quite a doozy. I'm bringing one of my favorite people onto the show. You've met her, you've heard her, Sam Skelly. She's the founder of Pause Breathwork. They have an incredible audio that you can get for free if you want to learn what breathwork is really about. She's also the author of Hungry for Happiness. We wrote our books together in Bali, and then she convinced me to go on a motorcycle, and I got a bug in my eye, and my eye swelled shut. So it was with Sam that I was single at 31 with one eye in Bali for three months, or whatever it was. And today we're going to, we don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be something deep and transformational. (laughs) Sam, welcome to the show. I'm so obsessed with you. I'm I'm so obsessed with you. This episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to trust with my well-being. They have absolutely zero THC in their products. They're organically farmed, gluten-free, very minimal in sugar. And if you know me, you know that I absolutely love my sleep. And when I don't get it, I feel like my whole life, my my day, my week is thrown off. And in times of stress, I've started to take Soul CBD's sleepy gummies before bed, and I absolutely swear by them. These little gummies have put my sleepless nights behind me, and they are delicious and fruity, and they feel like a little sweet treat at the end of the day that really help me sleep well. Their unique blend of CBD, CBN, and terpenes helps you fall asleep much faster, stay asleep longer, and improves your overall quality of sleep. So this is your new bedtime best friend. I specifically love taking them when I'm traveling to get me on a new time zone and ensure that I'm sleeping. So, of course, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. All you need to do is head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-TURN at checkout to get your discount. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get back to this week's episode. What are we going to talk about right now? Like, I saw you on my calendar. I'm like, this is going to be a whole thing. (laughs) And on that same Bali trip, that's when you stopped me from sabotaging my current relationship. So like, I really owe it to you, you know, like it was early days with Eric, you know, I think we went on two dates and then I was going to go on a motorcycle with this other dude. And Ash is like, stop sabotaging your success. <laughs> Guys, imagine one of your favorite people telling you they met someone and this, this person is like an angel and they're sending cake to your hotel room, which by the way, I ate the cake since I knew <laughs> eat all that dairy and sugar. I was like, I'll take it. And it was like Valentine's day. But anyway, this angel of a man. And she's like, Hey Ash, what do you think of me taking a motorcycle across Bali with that guy from my breathwork class? I'm like, Oh my gosh, Sam. So, (laughs) you know, there's so much here, but you know what, honestly, Sam, you're so in self-help with me and it's just such a reminder, not that we need one, but like 
you're so human. Like, Mm. I feel like in self-help, there's kind of pressure to be like, so self-helped that you're perfect. And it's like, no, we have these human moments, but ideally we just have tools to kind of transition out of them. But teaching moment for a second, like that is like the classic self-sabotaging behavior that I try to do, right? Like when we look at like the art of self-sabotage, like self-sabotage actually has so much intelligence. It's like the body needs to know that the belief that we actually believe in our body is congruent with what is outside of us, right? And, And if it's not, we are going to sabotage our success. Like the classic thing that we all hear about is like, why when people win the lottery, do they end up broker than before or exactly where they were before? It's because their, their energetic blueprint that what they believe to be true is not actually congruent with this reality. Right. So like when Eric came into my life and here's this man who like loves me fiercely, has secure attachment. He's not going anywhere. He's telling me he's not going anywhere. He is the one and I am the one for him. And all of this stuff, which was, you know, Ash, you know, my past relationship was the exact opposite of that. I, I, you know, it's like, I had to fight for his love. The the first time he said he loved me after a year and a half was the day we broke up and all of that kind of stuff. So, so it was like, my self-sabotaging behaviors were trying to mess with this relationship that I'm now currently in and happy and it's amazing, but it was just interesting how that could have ruined it. Yeah. You know what you I know, mean? And what's underneath that, I think too, for a lot of people in, in all sorts of different ways is freedom. Like you and I love our freedom. And I think mm-hmm. some self-sabotage comes when we see anything in the distance that we see as a threat to our freedom. And I know a lot of people have some version of this, whether they're in a partnership and they're questioning if they should commit to the next level or, you know, they're in a job and they feel really constricted. Um, and I know one of the ways that you've gotten a lot of freedom personally is breath work. And then also, um, meditation, like you have so many different modalities. Um, and you know, there's the me's of the world where you, you know, are going to see me resisting breath work and complaining. So tell me like, what, what are some of the ways that you've gotten yourself out of the sabotage? Because we all know a pep talk isn't going to do the trick if you're really committed to your limits. That's a good way of putting it committed to your limits. The reason I find breath work helps us get out of the torture chamber that we create inside of our bodies is because it gives us another perspective, right? The torture chamber exists in the mind. Yes. So if we're, if we're stuck in our mind and we're ruminating on all of these thoughts and limitations and, you know, self-hatred and all this kind of stuff, it's like, we're going to start believing that. And then it's going to be creating this like feeling in our body of, of the, that thought, right? The thought creates the feeling. And so with breathwork, the beautiful thing is we don't have to think about not thinking. We don't have to think about how to feel better. We, we use the breath to release the mind. Like that's literally what happens. We don't have to try and do that. The mind releases, we get into our body and then we get to feel something other than the torture chamber. We get to feel, we get to feel that felt sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's interesting is I, I definitely am a freedom seeker, but my ego tells me that freedom is something other than what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you, you're, you say that thing about taking the step, the next step in the relationship. I feel like you're reading my diary because that's, that's really current for me right now. It's like, okay, Eric and I've been together for three years. Like we want to get married and I can feel, I can feel this, this feeling of like, I still need my freedom. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a story that marriage isn't, 
is not free, you know? And, and I look back at my childhood and I'm like, oh, let me look at all of the, the relationships where, where I saw that model to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not actually true. Like that might feel real, but it's not actually true. So how can I create my own variation of freedom within the context of marriage? And I think that's one of the most beautiful things that breathwork does is it like, it disconnects us from, from this, this construct, this structure in the mind and gives us different perspectives, different realities and different opportunities. I love that so much. And I want to ask you just about kind of like the scientific side. And I know you're writing another book right now with breathwork as part of it. Are you sharing the title yet? Or is that still? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are the drug. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me, just like, I'm going to just interrupt you and tell everybody your shit. <laughs> hey, U-Turners, this episode is brought to you in part by Glad Skin, the skincare products restoring natural balance to your skin. So did the eczema or acne you perhaps had as a kid follow you into adulthood? Living with a visible skin condition like eczema can impact your sleep, confidence, and even your sense of self. And you deserve so much better than that. It is so real how we feel when other people look at us. And even though it's important to love ourselves, I think part of that comes down to really rethinking our skin treatment. And that's why I love Glad Skin. Glad Skin is a completely new category of skin treatment that is made for people of all ages with eczema prone, acne prone, or rosacea prone skin. So you might be wondering what actually causes the itchiness or the redness or the inflammation or the discomfort that you see on your skin. And it's actually a disruption of your bacterial environment called the skin microbiome. Glad Skin specifically works to target the imbalance in your skin's microbiome. But unlike any other skin brands and prescription medications, Glad Skin uses Microbalance, which is a revolutionary protein that restores the balance of the good and the bad bacteria that live on your skin so you can finally heal. It's been so effective that 91% of users, adults and children, who tried their top-selling eczema cream reported significant improvement after just seven days. So I especially love their products because Glad Skin with Micro Balance is steroid-free, works without any harsh ingredients, and is clinically proven to reduce eczema symptoms. It's so gentle, even babies use it. So if you've been frustrated with your treatment options, don't wait to try Glad Skin. They're offering the U-Turn community 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash U-Turn. That's gladskin.com slash U-Turn. G-L-A-D-S k-i-n.com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n and make sure you use the u-turn code for 15% off plus free shipping i use their makeup remover and their facial bar every single day and then some i can't wait to hear how much you love them now let's get back to this week's episode okay so tell me a little bit about how because i feel like people at least people like me are gonna think like what does breathing have to do with healing trauma Mm -hmm. why is your breath moving things around and a lot of to me when i look at breath work it sounds like a lamaze is that what it's called the pregnancy breathing class where it's like yeah you're like hyperventilating and it looks like no fun but it's actually quite powerful so can you kind of explain what is happening in the brain for this Mm -hmm. to move along Mm -hmm. yeah So what we're doing is we're releasing epinephrine in the brain, which is essentially like adrenaline in the body. And we're shifting our pH levels of 
our biochemistry in our body. So we're actually making our blood more alkaline. Mm -hmm. And when we make our blood more alkaline, we give more essentially like resource and energy to our system. So we're not just like thinking about it in our mind, but we're actually activating all of the energy centers in our body by breathing in essentially energy, right? We're breathing in energy. What that is also doing is it's allowing us to move in and feel the points of trauma stuck emotion in the system to liberate them and release them. So that's why in a deep breathwork class, you see people like somatically shaking and moving and screaming. It's because there's so much energy that's just stuck in the body and the stuck energy in the body has a huge impact on our behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Our, how many times have, have you guys listening, you know, done something and you're like, shoot, why did I just do that? Right. Whether it's like road rage or like screaming something at your partner, it's like, it's not necessarily the, the, the thing right in front of you that created the reaction. It's the decades of trauma and story that's stuck in your body that just needs to be processed. And when we can have safe spaces to process this emotion in a breathwork class, we're able to clear out and empty out a lot of that stuck trauma. So when we say trauma, we, it doesn't mean, you know, necessarily like big T and you remember this huge thing happening, like sexual assault or whatever, like we could have these micro traumas, traumas in our body and our body remembers everything, you know, even, even if your mind is like, Oh, I had such a great childhood, the body believes differently. Right. And it could be something as simple as your mom walked out of the room when you were crying and you created this, there was this trauma that created in your body that people leave me when I'm sad. Okay. Well, if that's the story that you created when you're literally a year old, then that's, what's going to be perpetuated your whole life and all sorts of, you know, behaviors can be created through that trauma. And so breathwork just gives us that direct way of going directly into the body, past the mental field, directly into the trauma to clear it, release it and let it go. And it's different than therapy. Like therapy is like, let's talk about it. Right. So we're kind of like ping ponging back and forth through the mental field. And I love therapy. I think there's a time and place for all of these modalities, but with breathwork, it allows us to get into the body and really begin to shift and clear a lot of that trauma that's been stuck there for ever. Yeah. It's so interesting listening to you talk about this because, you know, I've, I've talked on the podcast about me being molested when I was like, I think like seven. And it's so interesting because it, it always sounded kind of nebulous to me when like science people, for lack of a better term, would talk about, you know, your body holds things and you're like, it, it's hard to kind of conceptualize that and really get it. But for me, I forgot that I was molested from age seven to 16. And it wasn't until I was 16 that I remembered it happening in a dream. And then Mm -hmm. I went on an additional four years wondering if it was just a bad dream or it actually happened. And then I eventually confronted the person and confirmed that it happened. But looking Mm -hmm. back on age seven to 16, before my brain remembered that event happening, um, I remember seeing that person having extreme panic feelings in my body around them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I very specifically remember feeling on edge. So I do have a direct experience of what it feels like for your body to remember something that your brain isn't remembering. Um, and so I can tell any of you, um, 
you know, that it may be some of you listening, you've had a bad dream and maybe you're wondering if it actually happened. And Mm -hmm. that is an example of your brain suppressing trauma. And I think it's so important. Sometimes our unconscious isn't meant to be tapped into yet because it's not something we're ready to look at. Like from age seven to 16, clearly my brain wasn't ready to take in the information fully of what happened to me. And so it just kind of revealed itself when I was 16 and ready to mentally, emotionally process it. And yet all those years, my body was in extreme anxiety. And looking back now, I almost wonder if that's where I got anxiety from, was from a young age, having an event like that, seeing the person on a repeated basis and not feeling safe and having to kind of let my body go through these panic feelings around this person. So um, Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on like when you see like a healer or something and they're like, you have trauma stuck in this right arm pocket next to your armpit. It's like, I feel like people are like, what, you know, like Mm -hmm. how, how is that an actual thing? Like, do you have any science or thought around like what is happening in our muscle tissues or you talked about norepinephrine is that the right word for it epinephrine yeah in your brain um and in your blood um what is actually going on like how can somebody conceptualize trauma getting stuck in the body because Mm -hmm. to me trauma is like an event and the body is like a physical thing and it's hard to kind of conceptualize how something happening can get stuck in a muscle cell you know what i mean yeah well there there's muscle memory yeah right so so when we there's a term called like frozen in time, right? There's parts of us that have been like frozen in time. Now think of, think of this as a consciousness versus like something that's in the body that needs to be moved out. Like when you're getting a massage and there's like a knot, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's trauma stuck in that knot necessarily, but trauma has a consciousness. Mm-hmm. Right. And that consciousness keeps us stuck in a timeline that is different than the one that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about trauma in the body, oftentimes that's the consciousness of it, not necessarily like a physical piece of something in the body that's stuck. Right. And through the breath, we're able to wake up this consciousness. We're able to move this consciousness. It's like subtle energy in the body. And that's what helps it move and shift and let go. Okay. So even to take this further, I wanted to pop up. I'm reading a book. I'm in a a little nerdy book club here in New York now. (laughs) Um, I'm hanging out with the beauty queens by night and my book, my weird book club by day, but we're reading a book right now called Scared Sick. And it's the role of childhood trauma and adult disease by Robin Carr Morse and Meredith Wiley. I wanted to read some quotes in here for those of you listening. Um, And, you know, just to kind of give you an idea of how this tie could look. So early in the book, it says the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has predicted that one in three children born since 2003 in this country will develop diabetes. Um, In 2010, the CDC released findings that nearly half of all Americans have high blood pressure, high cholesterol or diabetes. Um, And then there's some research by Dr. Sonia Lupien um, on behalf of Douglas Hospital in Montreal And it was all about stress. And she said that by looking at 450 children from low to high income families, she found a threefold increase in stress hormones in low income children compared to rich children. Mm. Um, So the stress of having uh, growing up in poverty influences your actual hormone levels. Um, 
that, you know, there, there's so much more here. Um, I'm reading, you know, if you look at brain circuits evolved in stress or addiction, um, people are susceptible. They are hunting in yeah. their day-to-day life for dopamine hits because their stress hormones are dysregulated or they grew up with a low. Um, the study, there's another study that I'm looking at page nine of this book, scared sick. Um, it looked at the correlations between adverse childhood experiences and 10 risk factors associated with leading causes of morbidity and mortality in the United States, including smoking, obesity, physical inactivity, depressed mood, suicide attempts, alcoholism, drug abuse, injection, drug abuse, high lifetime number of sexual partners, and a history of having having sexually transmitted diseases. And they said the single most stunning finding in the ACE study is the sheer prevalence of adverse childhood exposures. Two-thirds of respondents reported experiences in one or more of the categories. More than a quarter of them had grown up in a household where there was an alcoholic or drug abuser. And the Mm. same percentage said that they'd been beaten as children. 42% were exposed to two or more categories of abusive experiences. One in nine were exposed to five or more. Um, they, the data shows that a person exposed to at least one category of an abusive life experience, so we could say trauma, has an 87% chance of exposure to at least one other category. So trauma begets trauma. So once we are exposed to one thing, usually we're exposed to another and a 50% chance of exposure to three or more. Um, so these experiences tend to occur in clusters. And this book goes on to talk about how, um, if something happens to you at terrible, you know, as a teenager, there's a possibility that good things will have happened early in your life that could have offset the trauma, hopefully. Right. But when you're even younger, you don't have enough positive experiences. You don't have enough of a repertoire that when you get hit with negative experiences, you can offset it. So this book goes on and on and on. To talk about, is it good? Do I sound like I'm making sense? Because I'm just- No, this makes so much sense. Yeah, this book just goes on to talk about how when you grow up with these traumatic experiences, especially if you don't have a positive well of experiences to offset these negative experiences, our bodies don't really know how to regulate them. Our stress hormones surge and we grow up with a deficit of good feeling hormones, of serotonin, of dopamine, of Mm -hmm. those. um, And we become adrenaline seekers and we start to display behaviors that have us seeking those uh, adrenaline hits. So, I mean, the, the book goes on and on. I'm looking through it right now, but obviously I think this would be good for you to check out, Sam. I feel like you'd be into this. I um, love that. I there's love that. literally no storyline to this book, Scared Sick, in my opinion. It's just straight up data after data yeah. after data. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting because they talk about the central difference between toxic stress mm-hmm. and trauma. Mm-hmm. is that trauma always triggers a freeze response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So stress can trigger fight or flight, mm-hmm. but trauma tends to trigger freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you follow trauma, they talk, they talk about how we look at us, like we have a state of shock and yeah. we are in dissociation. So I'm sure as you talk about breath work, mm-hmm. that there's some movement there that gets you out of dissociation, gets your, mm-hmm. you know, your hormones and your stress chemicals moving along in your body. Um, what would you suggest for somebody to get started in breath work? Because yeah. You know, even like as a routine, because to me, like I lived with you long enough to see you wake up and you're breathing like 
hyperventilating breathwork vibes for like a half hour or whatever. So you're walking the walk, but that's a big step for someone. So what would you suggest is like a good way to start folding breathwork into your life? And I know you have your app, which would be great to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want to name one thing from what you share, which is so good. So the two things when, when we're in, when we're in like embryo, when we're like in the womb to when we are seven years old, our level of discernment for what is true and what is not true is just, it's, it's so it, it it's, we barely have any discernment. So when we have these bad experiences that happen, we just take them on as truth, 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 right now in our twenties and thirties and late teens, it's like, we have discernment. So we're able to see like this happened, but this does not mean anything about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas when we're younger, we just take that on and we, we uh, internalize that and it becomes part of like this worthiness wound that we all deal with. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when we're younger, we can't hold duality, right? Like you said, we don't have enough evidence of all of the good in life. So when bad stuff happens, we don't, we can't hold that duality. Whereas when we're older and we have a mixed bag of good emotions or good experiences and bad experiences, something bad happens. We're like, yes, that, that happened. It doesn't make it about me. And I can hold the duality of the good and the bad happening simultaneously. So Mm -hmm. I love, I love that book. Scared sick. That's, that's amazing. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love the most about them is that their products are not only carbon neutral, but they taste amazing. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and vitamins possible in one swoop. And I just couldn't bring myself to drink all those green vegetable smoothies that taste like the grass. So I wanted something that actually tastes good and was perfect for me. And I've been on Athletic Greens for a few weeks now, and I am just loving it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. You know, it has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. And with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. So this really special blend of ingredients is so supportive for your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, anti-aging, all the things. Right now, it is so time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially as we're in flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. I even throw mine in my smoothie. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash U-Turn. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And they're giving one year of vitamin D that is so insane with your first order. I'm so excited for you to check it out. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah. And you know, also what you're talking about, I know that there's research to show that the pain of a loss will, will tend to exceed the high of a win. So no matter how many times you win, the research shows us that we're still going to feel those losses more deeply. And so I think breath work and, and having that consistent, uh, tool to stimulate 
uh, energy in your body and to help you process things that are stuck is so huge. And as I was reading the scared sick book, it was talking about how anxiety is somewhat genetic. So the overall likelihood of heritability, there was a study done by Kenneth Kendler, a psychiatric geneticist at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. He looked at identical twins. And um, so they share all the same genes, compared them to fraternal twins who only share some of the same genes um, to look at anxiety and their degrees that, that vary of anxiety. Um, they said that the likelihood of the these disorders or you know anxiety being inherited is around 30 to 40 percent, but that our upbringing and our experiences are pivotal in determining whether this is going to um, increase in tendency or not. So just like Benjamin Hardy writes about in his book, Personality Isn't Permanent, he writes a lot about how your environment can shift you. Um, what are your thoughts on environment? I know like I love coming to your place, your house in San Diego, because you have such a stimulating and inspiring and calming environment. Um, mm -hmm. I know that you're very focused on going inward with breath work. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the beliefs you have about the outward side of things, your outward environment. And is that something that you think about very much? It's all good if not, but I'm just curious. I do. I think about that a lot. I mean, I'm a highly sensitive person. And when I was, when I was younger, I didn't know what to do with my emotions, right? I was super, super intuitive and super sensitive. And, you know, my family would always be like, you're so sensitive. Like stop being so sensitive, like grow some thick skin. And, and I now know later in life, like this is my superpower, but I have to realize that like everything matters in my, in my world and has a huge impact on, on how I feel. So environment for me is so important. Like the cleanliness of my environment, the, you know, the live plants, the open air, the crystals, the, like every, my body can literally take in the energy of everything. I remember being really young and hating public transport. Like I wouldn't take the bus. I wouldn't go, like, I just wouldn't go because if my, if I, if I didn't have a ride there, I just wouldn't go. And I, I realized like, I, I didn't know how to protect my energy in public places. So I would being a highly sensitive person, I would just take on everyone's energy and then I would get anxious and depressed and frustrated. I now know as a highly sensitive person, how to have like an energetic barrier and yeah. be in my alignment and be in myself to not have an impact. But it's when I'm not focused on it, it's still like someone will walk past me. And if I'm not aware of it, I can take on their energy. And then I'm like, Oh God. So I, I am very aware of my external environment and literally do, do everything I can from, from, you know, my house to my, the, the clothes that I put on my body, like everything truly has an impact on my energy. And so everything really matters. And I, yeah, I pay attention to that a lot. I love um, you know what also is like, um, I was reading about how like in the 1500s and 1600s after kind of the philosopher Descartes, there became a shift in our world where it became a focus on logic and empirical evidence and all of these scientific measures um, of val validity kind of overtook the Western world. And mm -hmm. that kind of grew us into this idea of if you cannot see it, it's not real. Of course. Yeah. It's so interesting because there's so much going on beneath the surface in our bodies. Like you look at, um, I was reading in the scared sick book about a mammal and if they cannot carry out fight or flight, because perhaps they're beyond stress and they're moving into trauma. Um, if you can't go into fight or flight because you're so overstimulated, yeah. um, you become helpless, you become hopeless and the animal will collapse and they go into a freeze response. And yeah. so for humans, we call this trauma. And so 
I want to invite everyone right now, as we're talking about breath work as a healing modality to ask yourself, where in your life do you kind of keel over and freeze? When's the last time you saw yourself do that? And what was it about the situation that you carried that, that triggered that response? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I literally could just go and, and it continues to talk about how freeze is a response to helplessness yeah. in the face of being both hyper aroused and cornered. Um, so going into breath work, um, where in the brain is it really working and what center of the brain is it really stimulating and why does that matter? Yeah, we're really going on that like brain stem, like stimulating that brain stem, which is the home of like our survival mechanisms. Yeah. When we can stimulate that, we can begin to actually shift that. Cause that's like, think of it as like a code, right? This is written in a code. When this happens, then I do this and it's automatic, right? It's our survival strategies that, that, that we've been practicing for lack of a better word for our entire life. Mm. But we can't fight we can't fight survival strategies with mindset work. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. We have to use somatic practices. We have to get into the body. We have to shift the chemistry in the brain, in that pineal gland, right? In order to see things in a different way, in order to release ourselves from our survival strategy. There's nothing, I mean, psychedelics, ayahuasca, that has its risks for sure. It can take you there, but why would you do that when you have access to this through breath work? Yeah. Like we have the ability to regulate our nervous system. We have the ability of activating and simulating that brainstem, releasing some of our survival strategies, literally rewiring our brain. And the breath has the intelligence to do that. We're not thinking about how to do that. Just like when we're pregnant, we're not thinking about, okay, how do I grow fingernails now on this baby? We're not thinking about it. We're letting the body do that. Our body has natural intelligence that we've forgotten about. The breath is the natural intelligence that helps us heal and rewire survival strategies and shift out of a traumatic, traumatic state back into wholeness. We've just forgotten how to breathe. We just don't do this. Isn't it crazy? Like breathing is one of the most automatic things we do and we have to relearn how to do it. And I know that acute stress is actually good for us, like little short stress. And there's so much good research on that. But what, what state we're all often in is chronic stress, like this ongoing Uh stress. And I know that when your cortisol kind of surges, your lymph nodes shrink was something that I was reading. And those are what fight off infections, right? And by collecting and destroying bacteria. And and then, you know, when you have uh, overactivation of the receptors for cortisol and you get that shrinkage, um, you can see that there's shrinkage. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I always think about penises when people say- No, Sam, it's like only you. And we've got these deficits- um, in our body. And so we're, we're literally not as well. Um, and, and I just, I, I literally could go on forever, but what I want to ask you about is as you're writing that you are the drug book, um, what is one of the most powerful awarenesses that you've had, um, or, or learnings that you've had that have shifted the way that you're looking at breath work, doing breath work, obviously take your time. I know this is kind of a big question. Um, but yeah, just kind of curious what you've concluded differently as you're writing. Mm. It's beyond the breath. The breath is the mechanism. The breath is the vehicle in order to activate our inner pharmacy. Like that's truly the pathway. It's not just about, oh, we need to breathe. It's about 
the breath is the portal and the pathway to activate our inner pharmacy to teach our body that we are the drug, like we are the remedy. And when we, and when we allow that to happen and we don't suffocate that process and we allow the, the intelligence to flow, we can begin to reverse so many of the physical ailments, emotional ailments, spiritual ailments that we're struggling with and that we're medicating for, you know, like so much of, of this book is about how can we meditate versus medicate. Right. And I'm not saying that, uh, that we should not use, uh, medication as an option for sure. There are some people that absolutely need that, but I believe that we're living in a time right now where we're just overly medicated. Like we don't need to be prescribing the, 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 the amount of uh, medication, you know, it's like someone's stressed out and the doctor's like, well, here you go. Here's some, whatever. Yeah. And, and we, we have this in our pharmacy, we have this ability to regulate our nervous systems, to clear our anxiety, to shift our brain chemistry using our breath. And we've just forgotten that we have access to that. Yeah. And so this book is all about that uh, yeah. of like, how can we really begin to teach ourselves that we are the drug to teach ourselves that, that we have the antidote to a lot of the mental health issues that are going on and which are creating disease and, and physical ailments. It, it's so interesting. Also, um, you know, I know a lot of people, maybe they're listening to this podcast and this is the first time they've even thought about putting some sort of healing modality into their life or into mm. their flow. You know, it's, it's so normal for all of us women that are friends, we're all using different tools. Um, why do you turn to breath work and not meditation? And do you feel like both of those can get you to that magical place you were talking about that some people may use psychedelics to get to? Yeah. What is happening that is allowing you to get to that magical place? Um, and I think a lot of people might be scared. Like mm. maybe they're scared to do breath work. They're scared to see their trauma. Like what messages do you have around that as well? I know I just asked you 17 questions, obviously. I, I, I tracked it. We're, we're good. So I used to hate meditation so much because I had an eating disorder and I hated being in my body, right? I hated mm. the feeling of being in my body. So sitting down when my brain was so rooted and anchored in self-hatred and my body. I just wanted to run away from it. Meditation was just like not my pathway. When I found breath work, I realized, oh my gosh, through the breath, I can actually release the chaos of my mind. I can get into my body. I can shift this anxiety and this uh, like angst in my system. And I can actually feel rested in my heart. I can feel rested in my body. Wow. This feels so good. So once I do breath work, then meditation becomes easy. Like when, like that, and that's what I do today is I'll, I'll use my own app and I'll do like a ten, one of the 10 minute sessions. I'll clear out my, my mind. I'll shift my body. Then I'll go into a meditation. And that works really, wow. really, really well for me. I love um, that but, combo. How long do you meditate for? And how long are you breathing for? You said you do a 10 minute breath work. So do you finish yeah. that and then go into a meditation? Uh -huh. If I'm just doing breath work, I'll do breath work for about 25 minutes, right? Which is what I used to do like every morning in Bali with you. I'll do like a 25 minute session. But if I want like a longer meditation, then I'll do like about a 10 minute breath work. And then I'll do like about a half an hour meditation session. Um, and that helps me stay like so centered, so grounded, so just like connected. It feels, it just feels amazing. Yeah. I, I love listening to you talk about this because I know how much you believe in it. And I feel like the world just needs more people. I feel like there's so many modalities and it's, people are skeptical. Like, does this really do anything? Like, am I just sitting here and especially with meditation, people just hear their thoughts and you're supposed to allegedly find some sort of peace. And it's, it's hard to find that. Um, do you have any hacks 
for someone who's starting out with breath work? Like I know they'll put on the audio and start to follow you, you know, on the pause breath work app, or just even if they go to your website and get your free breath work audio, um, what would be some feedback around that? Yeah, this is less of a hack and more of just like a like an a pointer here. With breath work, you are the your highest authority, right? Unlike psychedelics, you take a psychedelic and you don't know what the crap's going to happen. With breath work, like you, think of it as like the gas and brake, right? It's like when we you you can stop at any time, you can deepen the breath at any time, you can go faster, you can go slower. So you are really guiding the journey of of your breath. And I would say for someone like when I first found breathwork, I hung out in numbness and anxiety. Like those were like my two places, my two resting positions. So when I found breathwork, I was like, holy crap. Like my whole body is like stimulated. I'm feeling energy in my hands. And the first breathwork session I ever did was three hours, which I don't recommend that, but do it for, do it for a minute a day. Or there's a, there's tracks on the app that are three minutes, do like a three minute one a day, just to begin to feel like, Oh, wait a second. I can literally change the biochemistry of my body through using my breath, which leads to clearing the mind, releasing anxiety and feeling more empowered. And from there, just trusting your body. If you want to go longer, faster, harder, slower, whatever it is, like, again, you are your highest authority and you can just listen to your body. Mm, Okay. I love that you're saying like one minute or three minutes, because even for the Mies of the world, that feels like, okay, I can do one minute a day for the few weeks and see what happens. Um, I feel like there's probably some people listening because God, I mean, I've done the breath work and I ended crying after four minutes of it. So mm-hmm. something happens where your mind just goes different places. It's almost like it's taking you into some sort of altered state. Um, what feedback do you have for people who might have like huge traumas come up as mm-hmm. they're in their minute of breath work? Cause this is not just a minute of their time, right? It's whatever mm-hmm. is going to come up after that minute. Um, mm-hmm. so what are some ways that you process at the end and when you're completing the breath work and you're out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I would say for someone who's listening, who knows that they have a lot of trauma, I would say find a facilitator to really guide you through the process. You can reach out to me on Instagram. I can connect you with someone for sure. Um, it's nice to have like that co-regulation. If you're someone who has, who, you know, you have a lot of trauma, I would say that like getting support would be amazing. If you're someone who has a lot of trauma, start super slow right? Super slow, go three minutes and just really feel it out and gradually go up from there. But definitely don't do, you know, the 45 minute ones or, or any, anything longer. If you, if you know that you have a history of trauma and you don't have support. Mm, okay. What have I not asked you, Sam Smelly? What do we need? I'm mean, skelly to all of you, but to me, <laughs> Sam Smelly, what, what have we not asked you that we need to ask you before we leave? And how random was this episode? I love that we just jammed. I, I never trust guests to jam. Whenever a guest tells to me, like, we're just going to flow. I'm like, this is not going to be a good episode. And true story, I don't air bad episodes. You know, I hate to say bad because apparently if you're an evolved person, nothing's bad or good, but they're bad. <laughs> No, um, they're so bad. <laughs> yeah, there's some really. So, um, you know, what what are some questions that maybe I haven't asked you that you want to share, or maybe I've just been so a plus. Obviously, Sam, you are so amazing. You are so amazing. You're so good, Ash. I, yeah, I, I think the 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 biggest thing for someone who's never tried this before is like just go in with a lot of curiosity and allow yourself to change your relationship to the unknown to the degree that feels comfortable doing breath work is, is the unknown, right? And oftentimes we have a very unhealthy relationship with anything unknown, which is why we try and keep it safe and keep it small and keep it predictable. When we enter into the waters of breath work, like we're moving into like, Oh, the unknown, like something might come up, 
Right. And so how can we, how can we really shift that rather than the unknown being like scary and unpredictable? How can, how can the unknown be the land of like possibility, creativity, right? So really allowing ourselves to shift the relationship to, to unknown. Um, I'm so excited that you're here and curious, like how can everyone get access to the app? Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know what, everyone actually, we will put it all in the show notes. So if you want to get access to the pause app, check out the show notes. We'll put all the details there. We're going to give your crew a free month too. Yeah. Free month. I mean, come on, like, why not heal the traumas and shine that light on the world friends. (laughs) Um, I feel like you and I, Sam are like one of the happiest little like bunches of coconuts in our group of friends, you and I, and I think think a lot of this stuff. I think so. I love hanging out with you. When you came over to my house randomly the other day, like I, that literally like made my year. I was like, Oh my God, God. this is so good. Well, um, thanks again for coming on to U-Turn and everyone be sure to check out the notes to get access to the pause app. And I love you, Sam, so much. Love you, Ash. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.